Welcome to Concerning the Spiritual in Art, a podcast exploring spirituality, consciousness, and the creative process. I'm your host, Martin Benson. Hey, y'all. I'm going to cut in here real quick just to give you a quick reminder about leaving a rating and a comment about the podcast if you're liking what you're listening to. Uh, Whether you're listening on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, leading a rating or a comment will really help the show continue to gain traction and uh, reach wider and wider audience. Also, on my Instagram page, I'm now offering subscriptions for 99 cents a month. That's less than $12 a year that goes towards helping support the production of the podcast. And in return, you're going to get sneak peeks for all the episodes, inside looks to the artists, print giveaways, and other things that are going to happen just for the subscription base. So if you really uh, believe in this project and want to support it, subscribing on Instagram will go a long way to help me continue to create great content. Uh, Now back to the show, y'all. Peace. All right, y'all, welcome back to the podcast. Today, I have such a powerful episode for you with visual artist Fuchsia. Um, She's based in London and does these incredibly beautiful paintings that are kind of like celestial and etheric, but yet also earthbound, exploring the relationship between angels and demons and sort of heaven and hell and good and bad, right and wrong, this sort of dualistic frameworks are being explored visually through her own sort of uh, use of symbolism um, and landscape. Uh, She has an incredible color palette that she's using that really kind of elevates these ideas as well. And we had a really beautiful conversation today, not only about her really interesting upbringing being brought up in Hong Kong and then also living in India and then in England um, and how those influences really kind of seeped into a lot of the imagery she's doing as an artist. Um, But we also talked a lot about spirituality and spiritual practice. We talked a lot about the environment. A lot of her work is sort of expressing various levels of anxiety related to the sort of ecological crises that we're grappling with today. Um, She talks about this idea of like cultivating an ecological consciousness and sort of what that means. And so our conversation just really dove super deep into sort of like the source of like all the issues that we seem to be dealing with on this planet, not to say we solved any of them, but we just had a really amazing um, authentic exchange with one another about these ideas that we both really care about. So I think you're really going to enjoy this conversation and be super inspired by it, um, just like I was. Um, So here you go. Here's Fuchsia. All right, Fuchsia, welcome to the podcast. How's it going over there in London today? Very well. It's uh, raining as usual and we are (laughs) loving it. How are you? I'm doing good. I'm super excited to connect with you. Um, I can't even remember where I originally came across your work. But I knew that when I saw it, I was just really blown away and drawn in, not only to like a lot of the aesthetic choices, but a lot of the imagery and symbolism that goes into what you're doing. There's a really unique, fresh, sort of inspired energy that comes from the work that you create. And so I'm really excited to kind of dive in and learn more about you, learn more about your process and the work you do. But one thing was that there wasn't much information about your background, sort of like where you came from, like how you got to making this really refined, powerful work that you're currently making. So I thought that would be kind of a good way for us to begin our dialogue today. It's just 
learn a little bit more about about you and, and the journey you've been on. Thank you so much. Uh, I don't really deserve any of these compliments because I'm very much in the process of understanding like my art and, and what I want to say like through a visual language. So mm-hmm. I don't think the end has ever been reached and it will probably never be reached because it's <laughs> always an ongoing thing. I'm sure you can relate as oh, an yeah, artist. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah, but, definitely. Um, Yeah, I think, um, well, I'll just give you a little brief um, idea about who the heck I am. (laughs) Um, Basically, I grew up in Hong Kong um, for Mm. 12 years. uh, So I had that kind of expat life. Then I lived in India for two years, um, 10 years in the UK, two years in France. Um, So I've kind of been a little bit all over and I've Mm. had the privilege to have this kind of very rich um upbringing thanks to my father's job um and I think that in terms of art like this is really the first time that I feel like my uh background really has influenced my work in a way that I never noticed before you know in terms of symbolism like Mm -hmm. I use the pearl a lot which kind of is reminiscent of going to the jade market with my mom when I was when I was a kid and seeing loads of beautiful black pearls in Mm. Hong Kong Um, and then you know very strong Chinese uh, symbols of the the dragon and even like beautiful like Chinese posters these things I never consciously really put into my work but have kind of come out naturally through experience and I think that's really the beautiful thing about art is that you, we all have such unique like tastes and experiences and then they just come out through our practice like through some kind of subconscious mm-hmm. way and you never really understand why and then when you think about what you you did why you did what you did it kind of makes sense yeah um, looking at your background no that's so interesting so, yeah. I feel this I feel like yeah retroactively you you know you can see why certain things might have come up within the work you're making but while making them there sometimes is this point of like mystery or not fully understanding what's coming through or why but there's a resonance as to like yes there's this feeling of yes this is something of value that's interesting that works I'm not sure yet but then like down the road you're like, oh, wow, this, it all like clicks. I have that feeling all the time when I look back at like older work, I like understand it in a whole different way than I did when I actually made it. Um, And I think that's a fascinating process of like how whatever that is in our inner life and our inner state, the unconscious or like a deep level of consciousness that's kind of undergirding like everything else in our life, but some sort of wisdom or intelligence or sense of knowing is always trying to find ways to like poke itself through into our actions in this world. And I think art is such any form of art is such a specific way in which that can happen, you know, very directly. Um, But I also feel like our journey as people is to allow that energy to come through more and more organically and more consciously um, as we grow. But it is a fascinating thing about about art itself. And so your upbringing is really interesting, you know, growing up in these different cultures and how you're piecing it all together. 
was there some aspect about like not only like the visual aspect of your surroundings you know you're picking up on things in the market the posters but even like philosophically or spiritually some sort of like cultural insight that really stuck with you through your journey in your life so i think that um my uh creative journey be it a musical journey or a painting journey i guess mm -hmm. um they have both been quite spiritual ones which is why i don't really know how i could make art um, that doesn't talk about that because <laughs> I've just grown so much through those creative journeys. And mm. for me, that kind of growth is so um, attached to spirituality or understanding, you know, my purpose as a human being, um, yeah. which we all love, obviously. But in terms of uh, my spiritual background, I think um, I've always grown up in a Catholic household, so we would go to mass every Sunday with my parents, um, and I'm I'm confirmed, I've been baptized, um, and I still go to mass every Sunday, but let's just say that I am trying to understand, like, what I really believe in. Um, mm. I believe in things like, you know, light and God and mm -hmm. those kinds of basic concepts that I feel like really unite all of us human beings together but I don't know if I know much about um Christianity to say like that I'm a, like a diehard Christian I'm still mm -hmm. very much on a journey to kind of understand maybe through my through my life but also through my art like what I believe in and why I believe in that and what really resonates without falling into the trap of like this is the truth and you have to believe the truth because I say so, you know, yeah, like, yeah, I really, the dogmatic side. Yeah. But mm -hmm. I'm very like, you, you know, um, Buddhism as well. Like I don't know much about it, but I'm very drawn to the concepts of like, you know, the Lotus flower, which I've featured a couple of times in my work, just because I think it's such a beautiful image of mm -hmm. um, something beautiful flower emerging from uh, like muddy waters and yeah those things i connect with because maybe if you know the poetry behind it and mm. the imagery and so i'm very much on a journey like i haven't yeah. sorted it out or that's amazing i mean me too i'm on a journey too you know and i feel like that's that's what i'm doing as well and i feel like the more i've been on this journey the more i'm recognizing the truth and the diversity of religious uh, practice and approach. I, I'm starting to see beneath the surface of cultural expressions of religiosity into like the essence of like what's really behind all of that, you know? And I think that to me is what makes this planet so abundantly beautiful is the diversity of approaches, of imagery, of cultural sort of um, symbols that are sort of their own unique ways of speaking to this ineffable space of the spirit that we can't fully grasp in our hands, you know? And I think that is something I think anybody, I mean, I've never personally met anybody who knows, you know what I mean? Like knows in the deepest way. Like I know everyone is kind of seeking and searching and looking for the most natural way for them to live in their deepest expression of their connection to the to the spiritual dimension of, of life. 
And mm. your work is really fascinating because I see a lot of explorations in duality. And I think this dualistic framework that we are sort of almost trapped in on this planet, like you can't escape dualism if you're an embodied being on this planet. That is just part of the structure of how reality is presented to us. You can't have one thing without its full opposite. So there's, a, but within that, there's an inherent unity between those opposing elements. But I look at your work and I see like even things you've written about it as an exploration in a visual sense of duality in some ways of thinking about good versus evil, right versus wrong, you know, light versus dark. And I think that exploration in itself is a really deep and fascinating one to go into because I think it can reveal to us a lot of the secrets that we're seeking in some way. I'm curious for you, like you thinking about duality within the imagery of your work, like what was it about that, those sort of binary, that binary system that really spoke to you as a way to explore through painting? Um, I think uh, first and foremost, it, if I have to think about where that interest came from, probably would have been through my Christian upbringing mm -hmm. because there is a big emphasis on good and evil mm -hmm. and the devil and you know God and the yeah. angels this 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 kind of fascination about one human being um choosing like why would one human being choose right versus wrong or the mm -hmm. light versus the darkness and this kind of like um, idea of a choice that can literally just change everything and shift your life like so dramatically is something that um, was very fascinating to me and then when I looked into it a little bit more because I did this show in Paris last year um, called what was it <laughs> it was what was it I Good. have one that's post paradise um, which I love that title Angels for the most recent show oh Angels and Demons <laughs> yeah, I was like, "What evil?" That's wasn't the title of the show. Yeah, I, I um, know yeah, exactly it, what you what you're saying. Even sometimes <laughs> I forget like my own titles to my paintings because I usually like put them on there like very spontaneously. I don't. I try not to overthink it a lot. Sometimes I do, but and then sometimes when we're like, "Oh, what's the name of that painting?" I'm like, "Fuck, I don't know." So I, I'm just I mean, saying, really, remember everything, right? Yeah, but, exactly. We remember kind of what we were trying to say at that time. Definitely, I yeah. Think. <laughs> oh, yeah. So angels and demons, that, that was like uh, really um, an interest in these two very powerful symbols, the the, the uh, symbol of the angel, mm. which is just gives such like a, a, an aura, like has such a vibe and the, the devil, which is also like such a dark energy and like, having those two symbols that have been depicted time and time again through history, like mm -hmm. you know, as a kind of like in a match being like, is it the angel or the demon? Like, yeah, what like on your shoulder, you? you're like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And you know what, like even in films, you'll always very often have like an angel on one shoulder and the devil on the other shoulder. And it's yep. like, there's human being in the middle and, Anyways, um, yeah, I, I just I just thought that was like a fascinating uh, concept and that it was also reflected very much in, in other religions and other mm -hmm. forms of spirituality. So, yeah, kind of understanding that um, more than just like 
Christianity. It is something that like a lot of different cultures and different religions agree on. It's that suffering and uh, evil is a part of the world and there is also light and yeah. Definitely. Yeah. It's definitely, it's encoded in our reality. It's something we have to, to deal with. And I think it's, it's so relatable because I think, you know, we can go to the extremes of good and evil, but where it gets really interesting for me is when you get into that gray area where one is over the other, you know what I mean? These boundaries, I think every individual has maybe their own line and a lot of them may be similar, but a line to where you cross from one to the other. But it's like, Mm -hmm. as you approach that line, it's very interesting for me because I think on a daily basis, we're grappling with these multiple choices of right and wrong. And we're having this inner dialogue around like, what's the best choice in this certain scenario, even if the stakes are very low, you know what I mean? Um, So it's really an illustration of this internal experience within our consciousness. And I think that it's, it's just part of the human species to have these, this dualistic framework um, Mm. that's everywhere we look. But I think of it also in relation to the psyche, like we think about like the ego versus like the spirit soul or like consciousness, like the pure refined un, you know, unadulterated, like consciousness that's within us. And then the ego, the identification with all the external um, attributes of our life, right? And this sense of ownership, the sense over me, over them, the sense of separation, um, which I think we need in a way to navigate this world. But as we can look around the planet right now, the collective ego of this planet has lost its freaking mind. Um, we've totally lost track of what the hell we're doing. We've lost track of who we actually are. You know what I mean? And so I think art, for me at least, and this is my idealist mindset, art can be a transformative experience or act that could, for even just a momentary glimpse, you could see the inherent unity once again and almost like wake you up to like remembering what it is we're actually doing here and who it is you deeply are underneath the surface of who you've been told you were by the reality you live in. And so it's, it's a really fascinating landscape to navigate, um, not only as just a human being doing anything, but especially in art. And I think some artists, you know, approach it head on worse other work. Well, well, others might, you know, it comes through unconsciously, but they're not really thinking about that in direct terms, but your work seems to really be focusing on this question head on. Um, and I think the symbols of the angels and the little cherubs are really fascinating to me. Like, you know, cause we can see these different depictions of angels, but we look at like Renaissance painting, you know, like we see those cherubs are very ubiquitous. And a lot of those is representative of like the angelic realms. And so, so to speak, but they're also like, if you think about, you know, even in Catholicism, like the different angels or archangels. Um, that are a part of that tradition as well, which is in the saints and so forth. Very fascinating. But I'm curious, like the cherub seems to be a very important image for you. And I'm curious out of all the depictions of angels, why the cherub? When we look at your paintings, we see a lot of them and they're beautiful. And I love how light it, the lightness it brings to such a deep topic, you know? Thank you. 
So um, the the reason, I mean, there are a few reasons. One of them is, I'm not going to lie, an aesthetic reason. I think mm-hmm. the chair is super cute. And <laughs> you know, I'd much rather have a little baby angel with wings than, a, you know, a tall, like, grown-up woman as an angel. I'm sorry. This is my personal preference, and I yeah. have to um but secondly because the 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 reason why i put angels in my paintings is because i i think that um we are all born as angels we are not you know we're all born kind of like a blank slate we're not tainted yet by the kind of evil in the world mm-hmm. and experiences of the world and so painting angels is supposed to be a, a a bit of a reminder for the viewer that you actually have that innocent loving caring mm-hmm. unconditionally loving um being inside of you because that's yeah. how you were born you know you're a little crying baby ne- needing your mom otherwise you'll you'll die and you're you're so dependent on on your on your mother and your parents' help and you you're so pure and mm. you know, i feel like as we grow up as adults we a lot of us lose that, you know, and so mm-hmm. little reminders of of hope um, and love. But going back to what you said about the gray area, um, I actually also paint angels that are in the gray area that mm-hmm. are not just light um, and they're not just, you know, loving and everything. They some of them have been tainted um, mm-hmm. with um, with like the darkness in a sense, and yeah. and I think that's also something to that maybe adds a bit of depth into the paintings or um, a bit of reality because yeah, I I just feel like I don't want to just paint like super like positive and like utopic paintings, but I also want to paint paintings that reflect on what I'm going through, my kind of anxiety with regards to the world and the climate in particular Mm -hmm. um, and, and how some people, you know, are 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 nice and kind and loving and then they take the wrong make the wrong decisions and then they are unfortunately tainted by those things so there's this also kind of duality inside the paintings that mm-hmm. I really want which is to represent light but also to represent this kind of discomfort or like um darkness in a way yeah I can totally see that too like this sort of like this dichotomy between like this sort of etheric angelic energy with Mm -hmm. this sort of earthly gray kind of muddled energy that's related to, you know, the fact that of duality here on this planet, the earthly plane in your color palettes. Like I look at your color palettes, the way that you have this sort of luminous sort of reflective light on a lot of like these sort of objects or forms within it, but they also have this like kind of earthly tone to them in certain ways, which I find to be like a really interesting tension in your work that makes them really attractive and interesting to me. Cause I can see that sort of like that sort of battleground almost between these ideas within the painting itself, just through your, your color palettes. You don't go super dark in a lot of them, but just even the earthly sort of tones that you bring in resonance with these like sort of like gleaming, reflective, luminous sort of spaces within the, within the compositions that you create really, I think helps kind of build this gray area, this sort of intermixing of, of the sort of extremes of duality and creates this kind of field of, of 
you know, you're not be able to fully discern it, which I think is what makes it interesting and makes you want to look and dive into it and discover sort of what's going on there. And then there's another component with the flowers that you use in your work. You mentioned the pearl, um, but also I was wondering if we could talk about like the flower and like what that is sort of symbolic of for you and a lot of the paintings you you create there's definitely some of that sort of um flora happening within it um so uh going back to the the lotus flower for instance um it was it is this this um kind of fascination about something coming from the mud or the ground or the mm -hmm. earth um, being absolutely nothing and then blooming if it's in the right conditions yeah. um, into something really beautiful yeah. um, I don't know I just feel like that concept has also has really inspired me and also inspired my name like as an artist you know fuchsia the fuchsia flower mm -hmm. um, which also is for the color like fuchsia is a very strong but a very female kind of mm -hmm. um girly type of color but it's also it's also got that like boldness and that strength mm -hmm. to it definitely i i do think that about flowers as well it's not because they're just very delicate and beautiful that they don't have this kind of power to them as oh, well oh yeah no most definitely and i think what you're pointing to like in terms of like i think of like this term like no mud no lotus yeah. So it's like, it almost points to the fact that like the dualistic components of our reality are actually working together in some way. Like you can't have the beauty of the flower without the muck of the mud and they, and that nourishes the flower. It's like, it completes the circle in a way. And I think sometimes we can get so attached to duality um, as an end all be all as like the ultimate form, but we have to realize that they're, they're working together, the yin and the yang, you know what I mean? Or like how I like to think of it as like two sides of, of a coin, you have the heads or the tails, but it's one coin, it's one process happening. And it's almost like the darkness is there to elevate the light and the light is there in order to give the darkness a purpose. So it has something to do, right? And so there's, and, and it's because of that interaction of those two things that we have life itself that we can experience because otherwise it's non-dual. There is no separation. And in a non-dual state, there is no such thing as you or me or this room or this planet. It's all one. It's so all one that there's nothing to compare it to or relate it to. Um, which I think is a, an incredibly valuable experience to taste what that's like to be fully one with your entire reality, which you can do through spiritual practice, through psychedelic medicines, or spontaneously in other experiences like gardening or doing a walk in nature or making art. All of a sudden, it could be just like a flash of, of awareness of your interdependent nature with all of life. And so I think that's a beautiful thing. But at the end of the day, like, we have to live these individual lives and we have to live in the world of duality. So it's kind of an interesting paradox that we are confronted with here. Um, that I think, I think about this all the time in my life. Um, like, especially when I go through really dark, difficult times, I always try to ask myself the question, like, 
what is this nourishing in my life? Like, what is this feeding? Like what, what good is coming from this that I can't see yet? And that kind of helps me maintain some level of stability in my mind amidst the uh, perceived chaos of what seems to be going on, especially in these times that we live in. I mean, you touched on your anxiety around the climate. I mean, this is something that I think everybody is feeling on some level, um, whether they suppress it or not is one thing, but I think it's still apparent. It's still a part of, of our existence right now. Um, could you maybe talk a little more about like your thoughts on that and like your experience grappling with your own sort of anxiety around this sort of existential place that we're in on this planet, this real almost like feels like a choice point where I coming to the head of something and we have to make a collective decision to go one way or another feels that way. I don't know if that's ultimately how it's going to be. No, no, no. I mean, uh, it, it feels that way, but also it's just so demoralizing because you realize that so many people actually care about this and want to make a change and, and really want to make the right decision so that we'll be going on the right path in the, in the next like tens of years or so. Yeah. Um, but they are just so powerless towards this. Um, but I, myself, uh, as an artist, I mean, I always try to, to make shows about that just because, uh, my point here as an artist is, uh, to be a kind of an artivist. I, mm -hmm. I use the tool and the medium of art and visual language in order to, um, really talk about and encourage discussions about a subject that, I think about 24 seven, which is mm -hmm. environment and climate change and how I can make a difference. I probably can't make as much of a difference as the head of like BP or Equinor, <laughs> but I can make a difference in yeah. my own little way. And yeah. I think that that's what it kind of comes down to. It's if you care about something, don't um, tell yourself that just because you have, you know, a certain job or something that you can't actually um, be involved in that cause um, yeah. and for me that's really about like the planet um, but today I actually went to a protest um, which I don't usually go to um, but it was really that almost like not an experience so to say but it, it was um, an opportunity for me to um, really be involved and look at what people outside of the art world are actually doing and mm -hmm. kind of tying you know in my own practice doing my shows you know I'm in the art world like doing my thing like trying to talk about climate but also understanding that this climate um like climate change and finding climate solutions is a much bigger issue mm -hmm. than just something that can be discussed in the art world and so mm -hmm. trying to find a link between um talking about it within my industry and also being involved into a really bigger kinds of you know the industries and and you know on you know talking to scientists and everything about this and how we can actually make a difference um, yeah yeah i mean this is a very important thing to ask questions about like how and also to just have a contemplative experience of like if you really like sit and really think about the impact that we can make as individuals relative to the perceived grand scale of this issue, it can sometimes feel a little defeating. But I also remember that this whole place is, is a place of paradox. 
and things don't always make exactly the kind of sense you hope they do or in the way that you think they should. And I feel like on some level, by just taking ownership over your own consciousness, over your own actions, over your own environment, your own community, and trying to, in those moments, you talked about like those moments, like the devil, you know, and the, and God or whatever on your shoulder, but in those moments where you can remember to ask yourself the kind of, what kind of choices am I making that are going to lead toward this place that I know we can get to, or is it going to lead us away from it? And we can make those little choices many times a day, many days a year, and many years on top of years, who knows what kind of impact that could actually have. Like, I feel like there's almost, we're so interconnected as a human species. We've lost touch with it. We've lost our actual visceral awareness of our interdependence with each other. But I think once people start waking up to it, their actions change. And I think it becomes like this chain reaction, some like spiritual chain reaction where it's like, it just one turns to two turns, you know what I mean? It's almost like Fibonacci sequence or an exponential equation where it just exponentially all of a sudden, boom, everyone is like on that wavelength now and everyone's Mm -hmm. making better choices. And then all Mm -hmm. of a sudden, boom, like we're in a totally different environment. Um, But that's again, maybe an idealistic version of what's going on. But I just think we can't forget that us as individuals do have an impact. We do play an important role. Every choice we make can make a difference. We just might not be able to see how, when, or why. But I think deep down, if we just remember that it does, then I think, and we all take responsibility, I think, for our own lives, then perhaps something magical can take place. Something alchemical can take place here that we could never even fathom in this moment that we're speaking right now. Because I personally believe that all the solutions to our problems exist currently on planet Earth. It's just a matter of what are we giving voice to and what are we giving money to and what are we, you know, emphasizing in our culture. And so if that gives that gives me great hope in some ways when I think of it in those terms. It's like directing that energy and that power that we that we have into the right places, you know, once mm-hmm. again, going back to the good and evil, you know, you have one choice. Are you going to make the right one or the wrong one? But mm-hmm. um, yeah, that, that's why my whole work talks about ecological consciousness. It's because mm-hmm. I really saw and I felt the link between caring about the planet, caring about, you know, our, our home and nature um, with connecting with your spirit and mm-hmm. your spiritual um and yeah. if only the people in power actually had more of an awareness of their spiritual selves and the impacts that their decisions were going to have on other people i'm sure that we would be in a very different place in terms of you know the future of, of our planet um mm-hmm. yeah, so, yeah. I feel, completely I, agree with you like yeah i feel the same way um but i also feel like the people who are in positions of power right now are cut from a different cloth And they've been in this place for so long that they've deluded themselves Mm. um, to thinking that they actually care. Um, Because when you really get down to it, I would say, again, I don't have statistics, I'm just kind of riffing, but the majority of people who are in positions of great power on this planet um, probably have lost touch with that ecological consciousness in a way they're not even aware of, like they're self-deceiving. 
And I think that's the trick the ego plays on us. Or if you want to say the devil, right? Or the darkness, it plays this trick on us by hiding itself in the things that we think it's not, you know what I mean? It's like, and, um, and that's a really tricky place too, um, in terms of humanity. It's like, we can, we can deceive ourselves, um, especially when you, when you've been in these positions of power and prestige, um, the ego gets very inflated and very diluted. And so I don't think the solutions are going to come from the current people in positions of power. I think they're going to come from whatever this next generation is that's going to be coming up because I think we're going to see a real changing of the guard in some ways. You just think about it from the practicalities of human life. Like a lot of people who are hold positions of power are, are much older um, and entering a different stage in their life. And so we're going to see a domino effect of them falling out. And the question is who's coming up and we have to be willing to identify those leaders um, and help elevate them um, and support them. Um, but it's tricky because any sort of powerful institution is going to attract people who want to make change for the right reasons, who are, their consciousness is aligned. They're really like in it. And it's also going to attract the people who just want power, who just want to control. And I think if there's any mark of the ego, it is the control mark. The one that is like the need to control everything. That is, that is sort of the thumbprint of the ego. And so we, we definitely have to be aware of who's coming up and be much more united in who we allow to hold these positions of power. And sometimes personally, to be honest with you, Fuchsia, like I feel that's sometimes where I feel the most um, helpless is in that regard, because I feel like sometimes we're just given two bad choices and the good choices never make it to the point where they can actually get somewhere. Do you feel that way in London or do you feel that way like in your sort of world that you live in when you engage politically what that the good choices are always the hardest or that there are that sometimes there are no good choices there's just two kind of bad ones you know yeah you yeah know what i'm saying uh well that that's where it uh comes down to again like people in power and and how the their decisions are affecting the decisions that we on the bottom are allowed to make <laughs> I, mean, I say that, uh, you know, quote unquote, because we're not, you know, leaders of of, of states and stuff. Exactly. Um, yeah. No, I know what you mean. I'm saying that in a in a very kind way. Um, but yeah, un unfortunately, uh, I I do feel like the the more um, the higher somebody goes um, in terms of you know just politically or in terms of. In, in a business or something the more they're probably tainted and having to make difficult decisions and a lot of the time those difficult decisions um come at the detriment of like the planet or the environment or communities mm. that are going to be affected in order to kind of you know raise their 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 profit and all of yeah. all of those things which seem to be celebrated so so mm -hmm. much in the society and that's literally the only kind of metric to success it's how how much you know money you make and all of that and 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 that's where the real problem lies um and and i just wish that the whole their kind of whole environment could could switch could could change a little bit so that they would understand that that's you know, human happiness and health mm -hmm. and the environment and yeah. air pollution all of those things <laughs> very important to a lot of people and they have the power to actually change that and that is so yeah. much more 
enriching than just making more and more and more and more and more money. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. But again, you have to shift their awareness of that fact. Like again, they are pr- a lot of people who are making those decisions that are really detrimental to most people on this planet, to the environment are in this box probably in their mind. And they're not able to see the greater impact that they're making. And the, also the potential of them to make an even bigger impact in a positive way. They just are, there's a, they, you know, they're blinded by a lot of times power, prestige, um, and sort of influence and sort of the control mechanisms of their own ego and their own desire structures. And so the question is like, how do we blow those doors open? And I think art is one way that you can blow people's doors open. Um, It's just not going to happen on a grand scale through one work of art. It's going to happen through a movement, a movement of all kinds of artists, of all mediums, you know, from the movies we watch, the books we read, the stories we tell, the art we look at and engage with, you know, the music we listen to, the poetry, like the comedy, you know what I mean? Like all of this, it's going to be a movement within that, that I think can have a, a more collective impact in these spaces. Um, but it's, it's, it's tough. You know, I feel like our birthright deep down is to be like stewards and protectors of this beautiful planet. Like mm. that's is like kind of the role that humanity could play. Like we could be literally like the protectors of this incredible ecological paradise if we wanted to. And I think we have all the skills, all the means to do that. Um, and I feel, I feel a lot of faith when I look at younger generations, I'm a father of two young children. And so I think about like their life and the world that they're inheriting, and it's going to be a tough road, but I think sometimes that tough road is going to create a greater awakening in them. So when they get in positions where they can make better choices, they're going to have a better, better impact in some ways. I feel like we've had it made for a long time. And like now it's all kind of coming to a head in the Western world, you know what I mean? In the sort of industrialized Western world. But now we're seeing like all the repercussions of all the bad choices we've made um, over the years. And um, we have to, we have to start making better choices more quickly. And I think uh, one way of doing that I think it's spiritual practice, getting in touch with who you are in the deepest, most fundamental level. But I also see like uh, a lot more people engaging in plant medicine, whether it's through psychedelics like psilocybin or um, ayahuasca or LSD or MDMA or whatever. Um, you're seeing more and more people getting their consciousness open to this interdependent fundamental nature of our life. And I know for me personally, that's been hugely impactful. Um, for my own development, I was curious, is that something ever, you've ever explored or thought of exploring for your own self, those kinds of compounds or those kinds of experiences? Um, I'm more, I mean, I completely uh, happy to, to know that people explore those things. Um, and especially if it has a positive impact on them and it, it makes them, you know, connect with with others better or or see see more light and 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 open up their minds really um but uh personally i um i feel like even just the the practice of of being in stillness is um is a very powerful one um mm-hmm. even when i'm in the studio sometimes i just 
usually I'm like you, I listen to lots of podcasts and I love to learn about your spirituality, but you know, obviously the environment and also the brain neuroscience, I'm mm. really all that stuff. Um, but sometimes I have this uh, kind of self uh, induced practice of turning everything off and just trying to be as mindful as possible in the moment focusing on what I'm painting mm-hmm. why I'm doing this again and um and that's just another way to to remind yourself that you're not you're there is something else in this world that is not in the whole pace of this go 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 and yeah. you have to do, do that and you, how are you going to sell this and how are you going to sell that it's just <laughs> where you can escape you know yeah. um, and I think you can do that through psychedelics I I did I did a huge painting on it actually which was featured in in my show in China um, awesome. a couple of months ago it was about like the blue lotus Egyptian mm-hmm. blue lotus um, which which was very much used um, for psychedelic purposes um, and and I I think that all of the those things you you said are valid you know some people want to explore it through through psychedelics and others um want to just do it through meditation or Mm -hmm. being mindful um and and for me um i'm more focused on uh trying to be as present in this real world as i can um that's where i'm at right now yeah no i totally relate i mean that's exactly how i approach my own studio practice like when i'm painting like i don't listen to music i don't listen to podcasts i don't do anything i just paint and i try to be as present and mindful as i possibly can be just like what you're saying and to me that's what makes the act of painting so powerful and so transformative uh and my hope is that by being in that that sort of consciousness when i'm making work that the work itself will in some quantum level on some energetic level will hold that energy signature that resonance of that consciousness and transmit it out to those who see it so they can feel that kind of energy in them um i think that's so important meditation has been a huge part of my path as a human being and it's transformed my whole life for a long time and it's something i deeply engage in not only formal practice but the most important thing is taking the formal practice, the sitting and bringing it into everything you do. And that's really the hardest part. But I think that's the most important part is the is the cultivation of that consciousness of ultimate awareness to come through in everything that you do. Um, and I think when you're in that state of mind, you can see things with such clarity and beauty and you can recognize the light all around you all the time. Um, it's so easy to get caught up in thinking everything is dark and negative and everything's going south, everything's bad. But if you really pay attention to what's happening around you, you can see immense beauty, immense magic taking place. And I find that mindfulness and deep presence, meditative process has allowed me to recognize what's here all along. So I'm totally in alignment um, with you there. The psychedelic thing is really related to all that. Um, but it also, I think, can for some people, it can just blow the doors wide open and sort of, I guess, shatter all the delusions that they have built around their lives and open them to this greater expanse of their spirit and relation to the entire universe. And I think a lot of people who 
who, who approach those compounds with sacredness, with care, with thoughtfulness, with safety in mind, um, can have such incredible experiences that then lead them to want to meditate, lead them to want to, you know, do mindfulness and do other kinds of spiritual practice. And some people, they don't need those psychedelic openings to want to do that, to be drawn to those spaces. There's not one perfect way or one right or wrong way um, to enter those kinds of spaces. But I find them to be helpful tools, especially for certain people who've had certain kind of life experiences or at certain places in their lives. They're ultimately that, though. It's a tool. It's not the answer. It's just going to be a tool that can help you be more connected to your journey to uncovering the answers that you're actually seeking um, on a deep level. And so I see a lot of artists who are exploring that, um, a lot of or artists who are exploring it in the same way that you and I are as well through our studio practice. Do you have any kind of like rituals or ways in which you like enter your studio space or like ways in which you like, you know, approach the actual space you're making art in? Is that a big part of your process is like developing rituals of any kind? Um. It isn't so much at the moment, just because, um, like as I said, I I'm trying to trying to grow like uh, in my in my spiritual practice. What, uh, yeah, as as a human, um, and and trying to like sort out a lot of a lot of different things in my life. Um, but recently, um, I was given uh, incense. Mm-hmm. And uh, I've never been much of a incense lady girl, <laughs> <laughs> but but I've actually been burning it every day at the studio. Oh. Maybe like towards the end of the day, uh, I, I've always been a, a candle girl, so mm-hmm. I've always had candles everywhere. But incense, I I never did, and for some weird and probably like there's a, an explanation for this um but yeah for some for some reason i've just felt so that it's brought such a different dimension to my experience in the studio um mm. and i really would love to try to uh as, as you were saying cultivate that word cultivate is such a beautiful one you know mm-hmm. going back to the flowers and everything it's something that you nurture and i really want to try to cultivate this um spiritual practice almost in the studio yeah. um but yeah it's it's what kind it's of something. incense is it do you know the the smell or what what the uh i don't i don't remember mm-hmm. it yeah a, a very typical like indian one it was like uh in a uh, yellow packaging or something maybe um, like a sandalwood oh, or nag champa is like one that you see a lot of uh um, it's one that reminded me of India a lot. Um, yeah, yeah. Could be sandalwood. I love sandalwood. I mean, anything sandalwood, I'm like all over it. Or lavender too. I love lavender. Um, mm. But I love like aromas and things like that. I light a lot of incense too. Because um, I think it does kind of like color the space in a different way. Like you're setting a a vibration, a tonal quality within the environment that... Um, I think does shift the consciousness of the person in there. Like just the smell affects your consciousness in the same way that something you see does or something you hear does, you know, like these sense doors, these doorways into our inner being and our inner life 
are really important. I think that's what we do as artists is we engage the various sensory systems of human beings in order to penetrate into the depth of their spirit or their soul or connect with them on, on a deep fundamental level. Um, so I think that's beautiful that you're like discovering your own sort of rituals and ways of cultivating sacred space within the studio. And I think as you continue to just think about that, it's going to evolve and you might just naturally come up with your own sort of way of, of ritualizing your practice that will, you know, continue to grow and change your whole life. Um, mm -hmm. I just find that for me and not all artists, some artists can just dive right in. They just get in the studio, get to work. Like for me, I have to like slow down and I have to like, and I go through like certain rituals with my materials. So the way I set my space up in order to like, almost like coax me into a deeper state of mind so that I can be more and more present with when it comes time to putting paint on the surface or drawing or whatever it is that I'm doing. Um, and so for me personally, it's been so helpful because it's like, I'm, I'm not just going from like a chaotic moment and be like, okay, it's time to be in the studio. Let's get to work. I need that kind of transition. You know what I mean? Both transition in, and I, I personally need the transition out especially when you have long sessions of three, four, five, six hours of painting, you get into this crazy, amazing mind state, but you also then re-entering into your life, seeing your partner or, you know, your neighbor or going to the grocery store right after it's like, whoa, the intensity is, is very heightened. So I like to kind of ease myself in and then ease myself out through various rituals that I do. Um, so I think that's beautiful that you're like aware of your own path of discovery and I'm excited, you know, for you to like continue to just let your curiosity and let your intuition guide you into developing something authentically your own. Um, cause whatever it is you do that gets you into that empty open space to where the energy of, of God or the energy of life or the energy of consciousness can move through you into the work you're doing, it's going to make that work even more powerful for somebody else out there, you know, hopefully many people, but at least one other person out there, it could transform everything for them in some way. You're right. Um, but I, I was very curious to know when you asked me that question about ritual about yours, because I'm, I'm fascinated uh, by artists and I, you've, uh, had a couple on the podcast I listened to all of them by the way oh, thanks. and a lot of your the the works that I've seen and and also your work is just so meticulous and precise and so like thought through and for me I have to say I have well different energies in the studio like sometimes I'm like oh I just hate the world and I just have to like slap <laughs> some paint with like a palette yeah. knife or something and and sometimes I'm like, okay, you know what? Like, this is a part in the painting when you just have to relax, you have to breathe and you just have to be really careful because you're doing a face or you're doing, <laughs> you know, something with where you want the texture to be smooth. So, you know, kind of like navigating those different energies and realizing mm -hmm. that in a painting, you can have that kind of strong, like mm -hmm. void, angry energy, but also there's a place for the kind of calm energy. And I feel like just looking at your paintings, you've like through maybe your rituals where you, you pass from a chaotic kind of life to just being still in the studio, you've yeah. this sense of really 
um, uh, kind of channeling that calm energy into the paintings. And I'm so fascinated by it because I feel like that's kind of the same um, the same process that one would go through, you know, entering a meditation session mm -hmm. or something. You have to, you can't be like here agitated, like trying to meditate. You really have to <laughs> breathe and like let yeah. go. That has to happen. And that's yeah. something that I'm trying to work on personally, but it's beautiful to see that you, you've managed to do it like so well. Like, yeah, I mean, I'm working on it myself, you know, and sometimes I do get in the studio and I have agitation or even like anger or frustration. Um, and I think all of us as artists, we have our own unique way of doing things. There's no one way to approach it other than the most authentic way that is you, you know, mm -hmm. and we have to discover that over time, we become better and better at embodying that authenticity of who we are. Um, Cause I think the individual expression of all of us is what makes life so beautiful. The paradox of our individuality and our inherent unity is the mystery of life. And so um, you have to own who you are too and own your feelings and let that come through in the work in the way that makes sense for you, that's helpful for you. I feel like art is a healing process, not only for the artists themselves, but also potentially for the viewers of art. Um, there's a healing that can happen. So, I mean, you know, just back to what you're mentioning about yourself, like if you have that energy bubbling through you and it makes sense to, you know, enact that within the work, do it. You know what I mean? Because it's it's the human experience. Like people will feel that and relate to it. And that's good. That's what you want. You want people to relate to what you're doing in the authentic way. For me, like I just, even if I have those days where I'm kind of disjointed in my mind or chaotic, I try to just first off when I enter, like just the way I put my apron on, I try to be just like, it's almost like a threshold I'm passing through. You know what I mean? It's like when I put it around my head and over, it's like I'm washing away what it is, whatever it is I'm bringing into this space. And I'm kind of like almost cleansing or purifying myself in that way. Um, sometimes I'll actually prey on the paintings themselves. Like if they're dry, I will put my head on the freaking painting and I will just try to cultivate like the deep intention that I desire for the work I make, which is to nurture seeds of awakening in people in some way, shape or form. Um, and so I try, I have my own sort of ritual of prayers that I do. Um, that's important for me. Um, but then I try to, before I even put paint on the brush and put on the surface, just try to be in that mindfulness space. Like the way I open my tray where my oil paint is, I like just really open it. You know what I mean? I feel my feet on the ground. I really just try to like take a few minutes to just be as perfectly connected to what I'm doing while I'm doing it. And to me, that kind of sets the tone. So then when I start painting, I might still have a little bit of that agitation there. But as I continue to refocus, reconcentrate back on the intention, it slowly just dissolves. Um, and I think that is sort of this, the process of meditation is to be able to redirect your consciousness, your attention back to the object of concentration or awareness, depending on there are many types of edge of meditation, but it's about coming back as many times as you drift away, as many times you get caught up in your own fantasies or ruminations, you come back every time. And so for me, it's like, I take that same mentality to how I work in the studio. If I notice I'm 
drifting into summer thinking, I just come back, feel the brush against my skin, feel the vibration of it moving across the canvas. You know what I mean? Try to feel like those little minute sort of almost seemingly inconsequential, insignificant details of my experience and get back into that. Um, mm -hmm. And then when I'm done with paintings, like the biggest ritual is just cleaning the brushes, cleaning the materials, cleaning the space. Um, sometimes I'll do that before as well, a little bit, um, depending on, you know, how it was left before. But when I finish a painting, when it's done, like there's sort of like a ritual I do around cleaning the palettes, cleaning the brushes and like cleaning the slate to allow space for the next thing to come through. Um, but it's constantly evolving for me too, you know? Um, sometimes I'll actually sit and do a, like a five to 10 minute meditation before I even enter the studio, just to begin that process too. It just depends on the day. Um, but for me, that's kind of my approach is the mindfulness, the prayer, the, you know, aligning with my deep intention um, with mm. why I'm doing this in the first place. Because looking at it from the outside in, I mean, you could probably agree with this, Fuchsia. Like some people might think that what we do is absolutely absurd. Mm. Like, you know what I mean? Like, you, like what the hell? Like you're just making images and painting. Like, what does this have to do with our survival? What does this have to do with like the practicalities of being alive? Um, but to me, that's, that's what makes the human species so special is that yeah. we feel drawn to do these things. It says something about our spirit. Um, and so, um, I think it's a wonderful thing. I, I can relate to the absurd thing. I, uh, a lot of people have, a lot of people have asked me if I, if I took any drugs before, uh, before painting a lot of my paintings. <laughs> so yeah. yeah, you gotta embrace it. Um, yeah. but your, your rituals of moving into your practice and exiting your practice almost seem as sacred and as beautiful as you actually doing your practice so mm -hmm. I found that the way that you explain that and and um that that mental preparation seems to be almost as important to you as the act of actually painting yeah um, so it's really nice to see that you know your spirit spirituality is is in, intrinsically linked with your art practice um, definitely I think that's something I was really seeking early on as an artist that I wasn't finding yet it took me a while to find a way to integrate my spiritual longing and practice into the act of making art. Um, I have some really close friends who I think were instrumental in helping awaken that within me. Um, and uh, it's invaluable to my life because to me, these paintings that we make as artists, we have to recognize not only the power and beauty and majesty of them themselves, but also the ephemeral quality of them the fact that they're not going to last and that the point is not the object ultimately, because that's only going to be here for a little bit of time. Um, Cause you know, you zoom out 10,000 years from now, will any of these things we make be around? Probably not. So the point is not the eternalization of what we create. The point I think is, is the energy that goes into what we're making and who we are. That makes, I think a difference on a vibrational way um, in the infinite space. You know what I mean? It's like, it's not the, the object itself isn't the point, you know, it's a part of the process. Mm -hmm. Um, because ultimately these things we make will dissolve back into the earth. Um, mm -hmm. and so we have to remember that too. And we can't take ourselves too seriously in terms of the work we make. We have to recognize that it's just a part of a process of, of our own 
bringing the word cultivation back, our own cultivation of our own consciousness and awakening. And I think it's when we, when we engage in that in an authentic way, people can feel it. I think we're all, you know, bullshit detectors on a deep level. We can feel authenticity when we see it. You know what I mean? Um, whether we can recognize it to the point of like separating it from the other things, it gets a little tricky in this media saturated age, but I think when you feel it, you know it. And, um, I think that's something we're all striving for in some ways, a deep authenticity in the way we live in the world. So I try to bring that into how I make work, how I do everything. I'm not, I'm terrible at it. I, I mess up. You can ask my wife, like I try to be mindful as much as I can, but man, I'm bonehead. Sometimes I do some dumb stuff you know? Um, and so, uh, I'm just here working on myself. Like I think everybody is. And I think when you become conscious of that and you engage in it consciously, you can make huge strides, um, Mm -hmm. not only for your life, but for the lives of all those that you touch, the ones you pass by on the street, your, you know, your friends, your family, strangers all around your vibration can have an impact. You just might not be aware of how deep or how far reaching it is, but I think it ultimately it does. Yeah. And, and on, on that, on that subject, um, um, I think it's, it's also really important to, to remember that the whole point of all of this, right. Mm-hmm. And why we're doing it and what's the, what, what is the point? Is it just to finish a painting? Is it just to sell the painting? Is it, and, and, and kind of understand the metrics of, of of that what makes a painting successful for a lot of people especially people who aren't uh, particularly in the art world that are more like in kind of a general society they they don't really understand that a lot of the time and their only way of understanding if the work is good or not is if it's been placed in a big institution mm-hmm. if it's been sold if it's been you know all of these things which are so far from what we're trying to achieve when we're in the studio because we're trying to connect with ourselves so we can connect with other people so that we can talk about stuff that's actually important mm-hmm. and it has if if it gets into a big institution that's great and that's something that will help get our message across to more people but that's not the end point of this mm-hmm. whole thing right like exactly yeah because so, it'll all it'll all eventually be forgotten on some level in terms of the the details, the nitty gritty details of everything, but the energy behind everything, the consciousness that is making these things, that is doing these things, I think that lives on in a way we can't imagine. But the actual mm-hmm. tangible, you know, a byproduct of our actions through, you know, let's say, a painting or whatever, like, or even success or notoriety, like that's that's not permanent either. Like the point is not that either. Like, I think the point is to not sink your teeth in or attach yourself to things that are ultimately not going to last. I think what we're seeking is what does last? What is the fundamental ground of all of this experience of all of this? And if we connect with that, then we're kind of transcending in some ways, the dual duality. And we're connected to the the non-duality, the inherent unity, while at the same time being embodied in a dualistic experience without any attachment to it. I think that's one of the biggest teachings in in all deep mystical religious practices, but especially in in like a Buddhist or even Vedic 
philosophical uh, practice is about non-attachment. Um, and it's not about detachment or apathy. It's, it's a space of real like understanding what is fundamental, what is ultimately the most important thing versus what is just temporary. Um, you know what I mean? And so that is an interesting paradox. I think as artists that we have to traverse is this, you know, we're making objects, people are buying and selling them. They're in these institutions, but ultimately we can't divorce ourselves from the fact that like those things ultimately aren't the point, like what you said, that's not the point. The point is the, the, the connection that we make, like you said, like the connecting with another person, like reaching out and connecting to someone else. And in that moment, that flash, we are united on some fundamental level. And I think that's what we're ultimately maybe trying to do is figure out how to come back together again after being so lost in our own separate illusions. Um, and it's a fascinating time to be alive, as scary as it can feel, as difficult as it can be. Like, I think we live in a time of infinite possibilities. And I think we're coming to a place of great change. And anytime you come to a point of great change, there's immense possibilities for incredible, positive transformation. And so my prayers that I put out into the universe, every moment of my life that I can remember to do so is to awaken the unified consciousness of this planet so that we can embody the true roles we were destined to play, um, which is the gardeners of this grand um, ecosystem to the, as you said, the ecological consciousness pervading all things. Um, and so I see you, you're doing it, you know, you're doing it through your own process, through your own authentic discovery of, as an artist. I think the work you're making, the, you know, playing with the angelic forms as kind of creating this metaphor for like our innermost being is so beautiful to remind us that, but also not and I think what's also special and powerful about your work is that you're not negating the shadow side, that you're finding a way to integrate the duality. Um, and so I'm excited to see kind of where it evolves to as you evolve as a person. Thank you. Thanks. Uh, well, <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah I, we'll see where, where we'll see where it evolves. Um, but I, I definitely want it to evolve in in the way that you were talking about before, which is um, making, being, change, um, having change within yourself and, and cultivating, you know, mindfulness practice and meditation, yeah. praying that how that can actually affect your work and just changing the state of your brain and your mind when you're in the studio, even when you're thinking about ideas um, and just being more kind to yourself and the goals that you want to achieve yeah. really can only do wonders to your practice. And that's what I'm trying to do at this moment in time. Yeah. Um, especially in terms of, you know, being kind to yourself because you yes. always, there is that inner critic that can mm -hmm. cloud so many of our joyful moments in the studio. So you know, true. Like, oh, this painting is, you know, 80% the way that I want it, but oh, that 20% and what am I going to do with it? And, you know, <laughs> oh, I'm bad. And should I even be an artist? And those negative thoughts back going back to cultivation, like you were saying, uh, is, is, are things that you can really, um, that you will cultivate if you continue to, 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 um, feed that kind of yes. state of mindset. And I'm trying to shift from that 
kind of detrimental, maybe dark mindset to a more like loving um, and positive one, because that can only do good for myself, but for other people as well, you know? Yeah. A hundred percent. For me, I try to like the way that I approach that, because I'm working on that myself, you know, it's like how to how to not feed the uh, the self-critic and the judgmental nature that arises in mind, not only the judgmental nature toward myself, but toward ever everything, you know, mm-hmm. is to is to acknowledge it with a lot of humor, you know, and to laugh at myself at the certain kind of thoughts that come through my mind and just frame it and just laugh at the absurdity of it and not try to like give it more power energy than it's asking for, but to laugh at it and see the absurdity and then to shift my awareness back toward the truth of, of who I know I am beyond all the judgments and all the, you know what I mean? All the uh, negative thought patterns that come up. And I think for me, that's been what's really helpful is the humor side of it to like be aware of your thought patterns and to be able to just laugh at them at the absurdity of them. That's been really helpful for me. Um, it's helped me stay more grounded um, because no matter how high you get or enlightened you might get, those thoughts are still going to come up and test you. Oh yeah, you think you're enlightened? Well, duh, 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 you know what I mean. And so the point: how can you how can you continue to engage with this this quality that can arise in your mind? And humor, I think, is always a powerful way um, to do it. But this has been such a, a great conversation, Fuchsia. I mean, your work is so beautiful so fascinating. And I think, you know, the vulnerability that you show and share, not only in sharing about your work, but that also comes through in it, I think is so relatable and powerful and really can speak to so many people because I think it kind of is reflective of, of how we all feel in some ways, you know what I mean? Um, And so just thank you so much for taking the time to connect with me on the podcast. I mean, we've been going for a little over an hour now and I feel like we can keep going, but I know you probably want to carry on with um, your afternoon. Hopefully the sun popped out, but I just want to thank you so much um, for, for sharing this space with me and for sharing your art. And I'm just, you know, I'm a huge fan over here and I'm going to keep, you know, paying attention and watching you evolve and, and see, you know, how we can again, unite again. That's the point is, for us to be a united collective movement within art where we all can do our part. So just thank you for doing yours. Thank you so much. And I really, really love your work and podcast and all the things that you, you try to do too, as you were saying, unite um, people who are interested in, in seeking that um, spiritual realm or, or version of, you know, the truth um, through art and through visual practice. And and I think that's literally the only way that we're going to be able to actually make a difference in the world is if we are open enough to connect to one another and are Mm -hmm. curious to try to understand each other's work. And so thank you so much for what you're doing. Yeah, for sure. When I heard that podcast first time, I was like, oh, (laughs) it's just, so nice and refreshing to see there is someone out there that actually you know is thinking about connecting other people beyond their personal spiritual practice so thank you very much oh for sure my pleasure i mean more to come more connection to happen everybody out there you have to follow fuchsia on instagram check out our website i'll have (laughs) all the links in the show notes 
um, so you can stay connected with uh, all the amazing things uh, coming out of her studio. Um, and then we'll, of course, continue to be connected and stay in touch. And um, I just thank you again. So we'll talk soon, okay? Yeah, all right, thank peace. you so much. Thank you all so much for tuning in to this episode of Concerning the Spiritual and Art. Um, if you like what you're listening to, please uh, leave a comment. Uh, give me a rating on whatever podcast platform you're, you're tuning in on. And uh, help me get the word out. Share it with any friends or family, anyone you think might be interested in uh, what I'm doing over here. Super excited to bring a lot more of this content to you. Sending lots of love out to each and every one of you. Peace, y'all.